Today's message is entitled, Radically Cool, Radically Cool. How can we be radically cool? We don't want to be radical fools. We would prefer to be radically cool. And we're going to talk about how we can, uh, how we can do that. Now, if your family is not here with you today, I ask you this question. Has your family ever embarrassed you? If they're here, do not make a move. Don't make a gesture. Don't raise your hand. Family ever embarrassed you like by the things that they do? or the things that they say, or the things they wear, or the things that they believe. <laughs> yeah, I hear some groans. So this happens at times. When we, we look at these situations, or we look at our family when that happens, and we say, why can't they see this? Are they so out of touch? Don't they know what they're doing? Or these kind of things. So I want to show you a quick video clip. Uh, about a scene from a family dinner. It's a guy and a girl, and they decide to have the two different sides of the family get together, and it's kind of an awkward moment. In hindsight, they probably say to themselves, hindsight's twenty-twenty, right? They probably say, we should have never done this. Have you ever felt like Gary? Have you ever felt that way at a family dinner or function? You're out somewhere. You ever felt that way? The, the book of Mark is so much about spiritual understanding. It's about seeing. It's about perceiving. And... All along, Jesus just, you know, he asked these questions. You know, do you understand? At the beginning, it starts out really gentle. Jesus says, now, he does, some stuff happens, and he says, do you understand? And they say, no. And the interesting thing about the people saying no is it's all kinds of people are saying no. It's like the Pharisees who know so much, they should show, they, they, you know, so much, they say, we don't understand. And the disciples who know just kind of, they're like, we don't understand. And then the Gentiles who like know nothing, they say, we don't understand it. So it's equally across the board that there's not understanding. But it starts out slow and just kind of ramps. And then we're on Mark chapter 8 today. And Mark chapter 8 is a very important moment. It's a pivotal moment in all of it. And these questions, the intensity and the frequency of the questions Jesus has for them, do you understand? Do you hear? Do you see? It picks up its pace. And the closer you get to Mark 8, it's like, it's, by the time you get there, it's just like jarring. I would like to read you some of, the, some of the verses that we have here from Mark chapter 8. Uh, just a couple. Jesus peppers them with questions. It's on your outline, 8, 17, uh, 18, and 21. Jesus is speaking. He says, don't you understand? Are your minds still closed? Are your eyes blind and your ears deaf? Don't you know what I'm talking about? No, can't you say, can't you see it? Can't you see it? It feels almost as if Jesus is kind of like saying, hey, come on, you've had a lot of information now. Now it's time to open your eyes and to see. You know, it's time to be cool. It's time to open up and understand what I've been talking about. Now, this happens, these, all these questions in Mark 8 that I just read to you, all of that happens right before this incredible moment of Mark 8, 29. Very, everything in Mark has been leading up to this point, to Mark 8, 29, this incredible moment. So Jesus says this. He says, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Now, first of all, we've got to stop right there. Uh, you look at every single religion in the world, every single religion in the world, everybody, nobody asked that question. Leaders, founders of all the world's great religions, they don't say, who do you say I am? I mean, what do they say? What do they say? They say, do you see the path I've been talking to you about, the path to get to God? Do you see what I've been saying? You need to get on the path. Christianity is totally unique in the fact that 
our founder, Jesus Christ, says, who do you say I am? This is completely different and unique. And here's Mark's response. After all this time being with Jesus, well, what about you, he asked Jesus. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Now, we have a very large church in Rome today because of what Peter said here in Mark 8.20. Anybody know the name of that church? St. Peter's, very large, big church. Everything has been leading towards this moment of spiritual sight and spiritual understanding. What do we learn from that? First of all, it's a gradual process, isn't it? It's not like something happened overnight. It's a gradual learning process. Spiritual 2020 takes time, and God knows that. God knows that, so we shouldn't become impatient with ourselves or impatient with other people. Sometimes don't we feel like shaking people or something or forcing them or putting too much pressure on them? Why don't you see this? You should believe this right now. But in the scriptures, it takes time, and God knows this. Peter's confession here in Mark 8, as big as this moment was, it was a very limited confession, wasn't it? It was a very tentative. You're the Christ. I mean, we get a full-blown confession by a Roman centurion at the end of the book of Mark. But right here, it's like, you're the Christ. And it's almost like he says, you're the Christ, right? Dude, is that the right answer? It's like Sunday school class. What's the answer, class? Well, Jesus. Is Je- Jesus is always the answer, right? <laughs> why, why, why do we say it's tentative? Well, you get the feeling that it's tentative, but you really understand how tentative is a few minutes later because Jesus starts talking about all the suffering he would have to go through which that didn't make sense to them. And then we saw Peter takes Jesus aside, right? The Christ aside, and it says he begins to rebuke Jesus. Same word used when Jesus rebukes demons. Very strong word. Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke Jesus as if he's rebuking a demon. So it's quite tentative. He didn't understand. It was, it was out of context of his understanding of who God is. How do we get ourselves on the right path of spiritual 2020? So if this, important, this moment is so important, how do we get ourselves on that path where our eyes are open, our ears are open, and we see and we perceive and we understand? There is a one-of-a-kind healing miracle that immediately precedes this moment that is so incredibly unique, and I want to read that to you. It's fascinating. At first glance, you might say, oh, what is that about? That doesn't make sense. That almost makes Jesus look human. But when you dig a little deeper, you see how brilliant it actually is. Let's, let's just read this. Mark 8, verses 22 to 26, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida and some people, so an unnamed group of people, an unnamed group of people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to do what? To touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Now, check this next part out. When he spit in the man's face, When he spit on the man's eyes and put hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Jesus has never done this before. When he heals somebody always in the past, he says, walk or see, right? Get up. He makes pronouncements. But here he does something incredibly unique, something he's never done before. He asks a question, do you see anything yet? He looked up and said, the man did. I see people, they look like trees walking around. In other words, the man got part of his vision, but not all of his vision. They look like trees. 
Once more, again, so Jesus again has to go back for a second time. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. There's so much to learn about spiritual understanding right there in that incredible one-of-a-kind story about Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see. Help us to see today. Help us to understand. Help us to get on that path towards understanding and perceiving. In Christ's name, amen. I have three things I want to just point out briefly from this story, but there's something I just want to say just to kind of cover the whole thing. How do you know you're on the right path of spiritual understanding and perceiving? It's really important to be on the right path, to move towards spiritual understanding. Again, this is what Mark really is so much about, the entire book, about understanding. How do you know? Well, it's when you begin to understand how little you know. The more you know, the less you know. When, when our eyes begin to open up to God and we understand, all of a sudden we realize even though we know more, we know we know less. Does that make sense? Even though we know more, we know less. So I understand more of God, and oh my gosh, I thought God was this big, and now I'm understanding he is this big. I remember when I first started speaking, uh, preached about five messages, and I thought to myself, I think I've said everything. There's no sermons left to preach. And you might be saying, why didn't you stick with that? So, uh, but now, after all these years of study, I realize I could spend the rest of my life in the book of Mark and not even come close. We know we're on the right path when we understand the more we see and the more we know, the, the less we really know. So, now, three things here that are really important. The first one is this, if you could write this down. It's really important here. Let Jesus lead you. If you want to be on the right path to spiritual understanding, you have to let Jesus lead you. You see what it says here in the story? That Jesus, this unnamed group of people, bring this man, he couldn't find, this man, could blind man, he couldn't find Jesus by himself. This unnamed group of people, they bring him to Jesus, and it says Jesus takes him by the hand, and he doesn't heal him or pray for him or anything. He doesn't, he doesn't do it right there. He takes him by the hand, and he leads him out of the village. He doesn't lead him. 10 feet away from them, or 20 or 30 feet. He leads them all the way out of the village. That's a long way. You ever played the game where, like, you close your eyes and somebody leads you around by the hand or somebody directs you verbally? Anybody ever done that? That, that takes a lot of trust. I was waiting um, this last week. My son had a doctor's appointment. was late at night, and so I took my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, and my son, and we're waiting for a very long time, and my daughter gets bored, and so she wants to play a game in the hallways. Everything's deserted because it's late night at this uh, doctor's office. And so we got in the hallway, and she says, close your eyes, and I'm going to lead you around all this. And so she had me running into walls and elevators, right, and going up ladders and running into people, all this kind of stuff. You have to really trust somebody to lead you a long distance like that. And the first step here for this man to spiritual understanding is he had to trust Jesus. And so the question is, how much do you trust Jesus? Are you really trusting Jesus? We, we deal with this issue of trust every single day of our lives. You sat in that chair this morning because you trusted it was going to hold you up. You got in your car, drove here this morning, you trusted it was going to... You have to trust 
you have to trust doctors, and you have to trust lawyers, you have to trust your banker, you have to, you have to trust the news, you have to trust politics. We deal with this stuff all the time, right? Trust. Do you trust Jesus? Are you willing to trust Jesus? Because that is where spiritual understanding begins. Jesus takes the man by the hand and leads him all the way out of town. The man has to really trust Jesus to do that. Can't see anything, doesn't know who Jesus, you know, all he's heard is stories about Jesus. Something happened to me many, many years ago. Actually, before I was married, my wife was going to college out in Missouri. I rode out to Missouri with a friend of mine. We were just dating at the time. I hadn't seen her in many, many months. And so I, <clears throat> I had this idea, and this idea, and in hindsight makes me cringe, but I had this idea that I would get dressed up in this blue suit and tie and everything, just, and I would go buy a dozen roses and I'd walk across the campus, and she was going to a Christian school that had chapel services, like a couple thousand people there. They all were in chapel together, and I would walk across the campus as they're coming out, and I would find her in the sea of people and hand her uh, the roses and dressed up in the, in the suit. And, uh, gosh, I look back, and I said, oh, why didn't somebody just tackle me and stop me? Looks, I, it hurts me, actually, to talk to you about it right now because I look so just like a Dork is the best word I can come with. So stupid. And I remember my friend saying to me, he said, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? And you know what? I didn't listen to him. I was stubborn. I didn't trust him. And I just moved on. Isn't that true? Do we trust Jesus enough? Because see, Jesus leads us to understanding. Isn't it true for every single one of us that we look back on our lives 10 years ago or 15 or 20 and we say as we look at ourselves what we were believing, what we were doing, what we were wearing, and we say, oh my gosh, I was such a fool. How could I have believed that? How could I have worn that? You ever see pictures of yourself? How could I have done that, right? Is anybody? All of us are that way. You don't even have to shake your head. We know this. This is the way, this is the way we are. Now, what, is that, what does logic then tell us? If we were, like, foolish 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, what does logic tell us about ourselves right now? 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and say, oh, my gosh, how could I believe that way? How could I have been so foolish? So right now, the sad reality is, is all of us in this room are just fools, right? That's the sad logical reality to the whole thing. We have to learn, and who's going to lead us out of that? Somebody we trust. Who are you going to put your trust in? We have to put our trust in Jesus Christ. I had something very strange happen to me last week. Not yesterday, Saturday, but a week from back from Saturday. I was at the church office. It was about 6.30 at night, and I was in the office. Uh, like the whole church facility was just about empty. I think there was a couple people down the hall or something, but everything was quiet. And I was really working hard on my message, so I was really focused in. And I heard steps. I didn't pay attention, but I heard steps outside the hall. And uh, they went kind of past the door, and then they came back, and the steps led into my office. And a young lady walked in, about 30 years old, very well-dressed. And I looked up at her, and she just gave me this really goofy smile. She just, this really goofy smile. And I said, can I help you? And she said, I don't think so. And she went over to my couch, and I have this coffee table that's on wheels. And she picked up her foot, and she kicked the coffee table out of the way. She sat down on my couch and went sound asleep, snoring and all. Boom. I thought, am I dreaming? Am I, what's happening here? What's, is there something, is some, 
what is this? And I said, excuse me? I said, miss, ma'am, can I help you? She's out. She's snoring. Just stone cold. So I stood up. I thought, let me get out of the office. Uh, It didn't smell like alcohol, nothing. I mean, just sound asleep. So I went to the hallway, and I'm just standing like an idiot, just there thinking. I got my phone in my hand, and I'm like, what do I do? And uh, about three or four minutes later, she stands up, and she walks over to my desk. And so I thought, well, I'll at least go and poke my head in. Hello. So I did. I said, are you you okay? And she looks, doesn't eat. She just looks through me and walks straight at me. And I just kind of backed up and she walks out and she just kind of goes up the hallway and she's gone. I think, what was that all about? She, she wasn't drunk. I thought maybe she's on drugs. And then it hit me later. I'm so stupid. I would be a terrible detective. She was sleepwalking. She's sleepwalking, right? Now, later I found that she had dropped a little thing that had her toothbrush and toothpaste in it, which was a clue to me. But uh, she was just out sleep. She had no idea. She was out sleepwalking. She had trusted Ambien or some substance like that, that she would lay down and go to sleep. And actually, she didn't. She got fully dressed and started walking all over Boston. Matter, I wonder how she's going to feel when she realizes what she has done, right? We trust all kinds of things. So here's the question. Can you trust Jesus Christ today? I mean, can you fully, can you, right? Maybe you've put some trust in him before. Can you put more in Jesus today? Maybe you've put zero trust in Jesus before. Can you put some trust in Jesus today? Can you some? Maybe you've put a lot of trust. Can you put even more trust in Jesus today? I find that trust is best when it's based on facts. So we have been studying this book of Mark. Do you like what you have seen from Jesus Christ is the answer. Do you like how humble Jesus is? Do you like his character? Do you like his mission, how he loves and how he serves? Do you like the gospel? And you might be here today. I just have to say this. You might be here today. You "You know what? Because I had a guy say this to me just yesterday. He says, you know, the Bible was written, you know, basically by a, a group of men who were trying to get forth their agenda. It's been so changed over the years. It's been so changed over the years. And it's not really what God originally intended to be. I'm sorry. I have just got to logically for a moment speak to this. Just pure logic. Those group of men that this guy was talking to me about hated the gospel. They loved religion. They hated the gospel. Now, you have to listen to other messages we've done to make this sense, okay? So just bear with me. Hated it. They're all about control. They don't want Jesus to suffer, die. They want to control. They want to tell everybody, we're cleaner than you so we can control you. They hated the gospel. And yet, What is the Bible all about? It's all about the gospel. Look, if you were trying to convince people on the day that it was written that Jesus was not God, you would write what's in this Bible because it made no sense. This is why Peter rebukes Jesus because the king, God Almighty, does not suffer for anybody. And this is why Peter says, you're totally out of line, God, and I'm going to rebuke you. Are you following me? What I'm saying to you, is it only makes logical sense that this document that we have before us is so incredibly of God and brilliant because of what it says, because they didn't want it to say what it was saying. Does that make sense? It's fascinating. Why would you, before the most important moment in the entire book of Mark, the confession of Peter, have Jesus Christ misfire on a healing? That doesn't make sense. 
He's never done this before. It's one of a kind. It's unique. He prays for the guy. The guy gets half healed. Why would you do that unless it was true? You would never do that. Matthew doesn't mention it. Luke doesn't mention it. Mark puts it in there. Why? Because it's a very important point. Jesus is trying to get a point across to us that spiritual sight is gradual. It comes through stages. It's a process. But if we don't look deeper and we don't look logically with this, we just read it right off the bat, whoa, Jesus, you misfired. We can trust what we read about Jesus in the scriptures because the people who we think, oh, they want to change everything, they would, that's ex- they would have never had it say what it says. Would have never. Do you like what you see about Jesus? Then let him lead you and trust him. That's the first point. Here's the second point, point number two. Let Jesus surprise you. So we're told that Jesus spits in the man's face. And I don't care, you know, who you are. <laughs> and that's, that's a surprise. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Spit right in his face. God is a God of surprises. God is a God of new beginnings and new things and surprising. Isaiah 43, 19 says, I am doing a new thing. That's God speaking. I am doing a new thing. God says he makes us into new creations. Jesus says he's bringing new wine. God is a God of new things. Do you want God to do something new in your life? When is the last time God did something new in your life? You want to be on a path to spiritual understanding and perceiving? Allow God to do something new in your life. Seek God to do something new in your life. Here, I have an assignment for you all week this week. Every morning when you get up, before your feet hit the floor, and every night right before you go to sleep, say, God, I'm claiming Isaiah 43, 19. I'm claiming it. God, you said you're God of a, of, of a new thing and of a new beginning. I want to ask God that you do a new thing in my life. Do a new thing in my life and allow God to do the new thing. Allow God to surprise you. If we can't be surprised by God and if we're not being surprised by God, we're not on that right path to spiritual understanding because God is a God of new things and new beginnings. Now, I can illustrate it by saying this. I used to hate Chinese food. Like, I had no basis for it. I just would never eat it. People would say, have some Chinese food. And I'd say, no, you ever tried it? No, but I'm not going to. I remember when I was a kid, we would go, there was a Chinese restaurant on Lee Highway right next to the Toyota dealership. It's on Lee Highway, a little Chinese. We'd always go there, and my parents would get me a hamburger. I don't know how you got a hamburger in a Chinese restaurant, but I got a hamburger in a Chinese because I refused to have Chinese food. And then one day I finally broke down and I ate Chinese food. And you know what I realized? I realized I loved it. I realized I loved it. A whole new world opened up to me. Sometimes we get very stuck in the same old thing and God's not doing any new things and we're not allowing God to do any new things. But we need to allow ourselves to be surprised by God and we get ourselves on a path to spiritual understanding when we say, God, do something new in my life. Show me something new. As we've been going through this book of Mark, I hope that's happened for you. I tell you what, it's happened for me big time. You know, sometimes I just, I'm more comfortable with the stuff I already know and the way I believe. I'm, I'm just comfortable. And God comes along and says, okay, Can you open up to something new? Can you open up to something new in your life? Allow God to do a new thing and to surprise you and to speak to you. And the last point is this. Let Jesus touch you. So you've got to let Jesus lead you. You've got to trust Jesus. You've got to let Jesus surprise you, spit in his face. Finally, you've got to let Jesus touch you. Let Jesus touch you. This is very, very important. This is important. Notice this, everybody. It was a repeated touch by Jesus Christ upon the man. It was a repeated touch 
touch upon the man by Jesus Christ that opened his understanding, that opened his seeing, that healed his eyes so that he could now see. It's a supernatural thing. It's a gift of God. It's when God's presence, boom, touches you. I can't overstate this fact. If you want to see more, if you want to understand more, then you have to allow yourself to be touched by God. To allow yourself to be... I have so many people say to me, John, I feel stuck. I feel stuck. I still feel stuck in life. I feel stuck spiritually. Like, I'm just kind of existing. I'm just kind of coasting along. I'm stuck spiritually. I'm, st- I'm, I'm stuck with everything about life. I'm just, 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 you know, life is just meandering along. What do I do? You know where you're stuck? You're stuck in between touches. You're stuck in between touches, the touch of God on your life. The man gets one touch. He kind of partially sees, and that's really cool. I mean, if you can't see at all and you can see people walking around like trees, hey, that's good. We're moving somewhere. But after a while, that gets old, doesn't it? After a while, that gets old, and you need another touch. And the man gets another touch, and now he can clearly see. Many of us in this room today, we're stuck in between touches, and God wants to touch us today so that we can be unstuck and move forward and see even clearer, see even clearer. Uh, This is why, you know, for me, the, the grace encounter that we do is so vitally important. It's in your bulletin if you've never heard it before. We, we, we pray about simply one thing. Listen. That God would touch us every Sunday. That God's presence would be here in a mighty way. You think about this unnamed group of people who brought this blind man to Jesus to be touched. In his eye. I mean, what they did changed everything for this man. What they did changed everything because of the touch of God on his life. He was healed. We have now close to 300 people praying for one simple thing. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, what's your vision for Grace Community Church? And a lot of times they want to know, you know, do you have an idea on the size that you want Grace to be or do you have a vision for a building? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I want to be totally clear. But I have no vision for a building and I have no vision for size. I have one vision. And every single Sunday we'd come here and God would show up. That's it. If that happens, that's everything. If that happens, that's everything. Nothing can replace that. The touch of God being here in this place, falling upon this place, and our eyes opening up and us perceiving and hearing what God has to say to each one of us, individually and corporately, nothing is better than that. I can't encourage you more. Join up, sign up for that. The information's in there. If we could have a 1,000 people praying for God to visit us every Sunday, it couldn't get any better than that. The Apostle Paul. Here was a guy that there's no way he was ever going to see who Jesus really is. He was never. And then one day on a road to Damascus, we're told that God touched him and his eyes opened up. And then we're told later on he spends three years in a desert with God. God touching him every day. And his eyes opened up more and more and more. So very important. I want to say one last thing, and then we're going to conclude. I, want, I actually want to show you a clip, one more, in two clips today. It's very special. Um, look, we're very independent. We're just fiercely independent people. I brought this out last week. Jesus, Jesus commands demons, and demons obey. 
right? Jesus commands storms in the book of Mark, and storms obey. Jesus commands illnesses, and illnesses obey. There's only one category in the entire book of Mark where Jesus commands, and they don't obey, and that's who? People. (laughs) People. We're so fiercely independent. And you might say, okay, all right, John. Uh, If God ever shows up, he'll touch me. You know what? A lot of times God is here, and we don't want to be touched. We're like, I'm good, I'm all right, I'm cool. You need to touch those people over there, those people over there. They really need you, but I'm good. Why do we do that? Why do we resist the touch of God? Is it because we're afraid that we finally allow God just to wrap his arms around us, that we would just melt before him and kind of lose control and just say, I'm no longer independent from you. I'm totally dependent. I can't do anything apart from you. Is it because of that? I think there's a piece of that in there somewhere, maybe in a really big piece. Many times I think God is here, and many of us, me included at times, just say, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Touch somebody else. Because we know if we let that guard down, if we we let the guard down, we say, okay, come on. Grab a hold of me, God. We know that we'll just melt before God. I want to show you a clip, and then I'm going to come back, and we'll just pray and win. It's a clip about a, a young man, brilliant guy, very brilliant, but who had been hurt badly. And uh, he needed to let his guard down. He needed to be touched. And in the touch, in the touch, came the healing. So let's just watch this, and I'll finish out. Back to the judge for evaluation. Well, you're not going to fail me, are you? So, uh, you know, what is it like? Will has an attachment disorder? Is it all that stuff? Fear of abandonment? Is that why? Uh, is that why I broke up with Skyler? I didn't know you had. I did. You want to talk about it? No. Well, I don't know a lot. You see this? This is not your fault. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. I know. It's not your fault. All right? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't with me. It's not your fault. Don't with me, all right? Don't with me, Sean. Not you. It's not your fault. Is that you? I mean, do you say to God when God is here, I'm okay, but in reality you're not. You're empty, you're scared, you're hurting, you're angry, you're confused. Right? 
Is that you? It's all of us. I want to encourage you today. Spiritual understanding and sight happens by the touch of God. Healing happens by the touch of God. Let your guard down. Let your guard down. And let God touch you. We're going to conclude. The music team is going to come up now. And uh, we're going to sing a final song. I encourage you in this final song just to let God touch you. I encourage you. You know our prayer team is always on this wall over here. And are always there to pray with you. However that needs to happen for you, would you consider letting your guard down and let God touch you today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, so much, God, that you love us and that you want to touch us and that you want to heal us and that you want to make things right for us. Lord, help us. We're so independent. And we're so prone to say, hey, we got it. I'm all right. Just, you know, somebody else needs more help than me. Lord, today, would you help us in this moment to let our guards down and allow you to wrap your arms around us and to hold us and to touch us? And if we just need to sit here silently or maybe we just need to, we just need to weep before you, whatever we need to do, just bring healing. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.